The white zone is for the loading and unloading of R2-D2s only. Please restrict all C-3PO's to the yellow zone. Thank you. Hello, Sci-Fi fans. This is Colin Ferguson from Eureka, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm MCRO Garcia. And we welcome you tonight. It's icing out there, but it's warm here in the diner. And we have two special guests with us tonight. And uh, let's introduce Chrissy first. How are you doing, Chrissy? I'm doing okay. Great, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Do you want to tell people a little bit about you? Um, well, I've basically been a science fiction nerd, for lack of a better word, my entire life. Um, I'm actually now in graduate school for social work at um, the local university in Millersville. Um, I'll be graduating next year. And I've just been doing, um, I've been gaming, I've been reading, I've been doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I just rewatched Serenity this past weekend, totally nerded out on it again. Love Firefly. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, AM, by the way, she played Guild Wars 2. Yes, I was a guild leader. <gasps> oh, are you in Guild Wars? I, I played Guild Wars 2. I was actually a guild leader for an entire year. It nice. Was, yeah, I'm kind of still waiting for them to bring back Super Adventure Box because I will totally, totally do that again. It's like my favorite oh, thing that ever. Was such a pain in the neck. Well, you know, there's an expansion coming out. I so heard. You can go. There's like two new two new paths that you can take, and you can go over eighty now. I think the next level really? up is hundred. Really? I don't know. I got and my a, legendary. I got my bifrost. Map. I got my bifrost, and then I was like, now what? It's just the shiny staff that I get to run around with. It's so pretty. <laughs> And then, well, now you can craft your own legendaries. It's not as hard as it was before. Oh, I don't know. So I've been like running, that. I've been crafting and running around on a full ascended gear for like the last three months. It's been amazing on all of my critters. Okay, maybe. I'll it's think a lot about of fun. It. We should totally hook up and play. There's a whole. I don't know how long it's been since you've played, but there's there's a whole bunch of new stuff. And then when the expansion comes out in okay. a couple weeks. But what um, what server are you on? Because I was on, I think it was Dragon Brand. That's what it was. I'm on Crystal Desert. Hmm. We'll see. Maybe you should be able to hop over without a, without being charged anything. Because now that they're on Mega Server, oh, okay, they changed that. All right, maybe I'll maybe I'll at least it's, pop on and say hi. You can look for this Lanfaria. is a whole separate show we should have. Right, <laughs> we totally should. Okay, back to Serenity. Back to Serenity, and we have with us also Mike Doherty. Welcome. How you doing? Great, great. And Mike, tell people a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am the writer and director, producer, and all-around guy for Brown Coats Redemption. Yay! Um, Yay! Yeah, thank you. 
I have the good fortune of raising a lot of money for charity with films, and I'm also currently distributing uh, the amazing movie by Justin Timpain and executive produced by Ed Sanchez, who did the Blair Witch Project called Ninjas vs. Monsters. Ooh. Sounds serious. Yeah. Now, there's a, there's a whole series of ninja versus movies, right? There is. It started with uh, zombies, then went to vampires, and now monsters. But do we ever see the ninjas? That's the question. You do. The ninjas <laughs> are the key to the story. Yeah, and, then, and the ninja in this movie is pretty cute. Really? Yeah. I need to the see ninjas, this now. It's, it's, uh, the ninjas are total fan service. It's amazing. If you are a fan of anything from Firefly to Lost, you will get tons of references in this. This is... Uh, it's not your typical ninja movie where everything is serious. These guys are completely snarky and, and quipping the entire time. So it's like if it's Buffy's ADD little brother. I love it. <laughs> I'm there. That's way I can describe it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we we are we're gonna. We're gonna I, have, I say that with love. You say that with love. <laughs> love. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have to review that movie on a show coming up. Oh yeah. So I have it. I just haven't watched it yet since Farpoint. So. So thank you for giving us a copy of it so that we can kind of preview that. You're absolutely welcome. And if you want, you can have Justin Timbain or Daniel Ross, who's one of the ninjas, uh, to come on with you. That would be awesome. Oh, yeah. We should do that. Daniel's a doll. We Justin's do a doll also. They're both dolls. You could buy them from Mattel. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. I'm totally telling Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, but you also have this other project that you're also involved in. Tell us about Zcon. What's up with Zcon? Uh, Zcon is indefinitely put on hold. It is a zombie movie about uh, four kids going to a comic book convention uh, to get interviews for their podcast and get trapped in the middle of the zombie outbreak where they become the men on the street reporters. And uh, the Sci-Fi Diner actually does make a little bit of a cameo. M makes her, I think, is it your acting debut, M? That is my my <laughs> film acting debut. Yes. And, and there's a stand-in for Miles. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. A little bit taller, <laughs> but still a stand-in. Just a bit taller. A so bit uh, where that's at right now is that we hit a little bit of a financial snag, um, and we're trying to figure out the best process to, to get it back on track. Kickstarter. We've got about 65% in the can, and then trying to go from there. They've done that already. Kickstarter. You, you did a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo campaign before, right? Uh, we did a Kickstarter and two Indiegogos. Uh, we did a Kickstarter for the Proof of Concept, which you can see on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash films, And then uh, we did two Indiegogo campaigns for the pre-production and production of the film. But uh, to, to be full, honest, and transparent, we had an issue uh, where somebody um, you know, did stuff came through nice. with a lot of money and then ran away at the last minute with it. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that's not nice. I will tell yeah, you this. That's about the politest way I can say it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I will tell you that what I saw, so we saw the concept of this a year ago when we interviewed Jim Crutt down at Farpoint. So a year ago yep. when we released that interview. And the trailer we saw then versus the trailer we saw this year was like night and day. We're talking about production quality up at least 10 notches. I mean, you guys did incredible work in that trailer. Thank you. Like Thank I felt you. like I, I felt um, like I was I felt like I was wa watching like a real zombie horror movie. Something that wasn't just a you know it's just it's just steps above where it was. Yeah, that that was the point. Uh, the proof of concept was really just to get the idea out because we had a lot of people having a hard time wrapping their brains around 
what um, four kids running around a sci-fi convention would be like. I don't know why. I don't know uh, why either. That sounds perfectly normal to me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so the, that was the proof of concept, and then we just ratcheted it up to 11 for the teaser that's out there. And the teaser is actually made up of 100% footage from the film. So uh, the, the line that you see that Daniel says is, is actually the Marvel end bumper, so that's a little bit of a spoiler. Um, and then the, the zombie clips throughout are actual zombie shots from the film. So you, what you're seeing in that little teaser that we put out would be what the final product looks like. Yeah, so where can they go to see that teaser? Uh, everything is on the Big Damn Films YouTube channel, so you should be able to go there and check it out now. Okay. And how about if they want to land their own copy and check out Ninjas versus Monsters? How about that? Uh, to get that, you go to ninjasverse.com. That's N-I-N-J-A-S-V-S.com. He can and you can spell. pick it up for 15 bucks. Yeah. Nice. I'm, 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 I love your mad spelling chops. Thanks, man. <laughs> That's uh, elementary school education at its best. Well, very good. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Mike, before we leap into uh, Serenity tonight? Oh, no, I'm excited to get into Serenity. Let's so, get into Serenity, which sounds a lot dirtier than it is. Um, <laughs> a family show. Uh, so let's uh, talk uh, about Serenity. Um, before we get into it, why don't we just, for people that are listening, we assume that if you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast that you have, <laughs> you have watched Serenity. Uh, but just in case you have it, Miles, could you read the uh, summary that we have here for our folks, just to remind them of what this was about. Sure, I'll be happy to. In the future, a spaceship called Serenity is harboring a passenger with a deadly secret. Six rebels on the run, an assassin in pursuit, when the renegade crew of Serenity agree to hide a fugitive on their ship. They find themselves in an awesome, action-packed battle between the relentless military might of a totalitarian regime who will destroy anything or anyone to get the girl back, and the bloodthirsty creatures who roam the uncharted areas of space, but the greatest danger of all may be on their ship. I just want you to hear. I just want to hear you say totalitarian regime five times real fast. No, let's not. <laughs> because I couldn't do it. <laughs> we'll pass. Uh, we'll pass on that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good summary. It doesn't do it justice, but it's a good summary to kind of introduce it. So this movie, when it came out in the box office, the budget was $39 million. Um, it grossed $38 million. So it lost money, which probably killed its chances for any sequels, but it at least didn't totally lose them money. It wasn't, yeah, I mean, well, they almost broke even. Yeah. Mike, go ahead. I, I will say that that was, uh, for, for anybody that doesn't know, Serenity is the feature-length sequel to the TV show Firefly. Um, it is actually the the hour to two almost two hours of what the entire season two would have been if Firefly season would have continued on to a second season, um, and unfortunately Universal did not target its proper audience, which is the Firefly fans properly, and it was a movie that was really undermarketed and underpromoted and really got to that thirty-eight million thanks to the fan support. Right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I loved Firefly, and I don't think I even knew when the movie was coming out in theaters, because I didn't watch it until it came out on DVD, like, months later, and I was like, how did I miss this? Like, I love Firefly, so I do agree that I think the marketing was pretty poor. This was 2005, if I remember. Movies yep. were not... kind of hit a dry spell, and the last, uh, as M is fond of saying, the, the last of the uh, 
Star Wars fan films had uh, um, been released. So it was kind of competing with that too. Yeah, well, well it's, it's also at a time that the internet was still at its infancy. I mean, we didn't have a lot of the stuff that we do now that people can get mass promoting their movies as quickly as possible. So, you know, it, it was still the age of forums, if you guys remember those. Oh, yeah. Back yeah. in the day. Uh, and, and like, uh, different mod channels and things like that. And it was a really grassroots campaign uh, by that still continue to this day through events like Can't Stop the Serenity. So uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, if this movie, let's say, was re were released today, do you think that the, the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all those social media outlets would have uh, brought in more revenue for this film? I'm, I'm, I will honestly bet my entire life that if the movie was brought out today in today's market and internet cap capabilities, it would have done at least four times what it did in its box office. I can believe that. It's yeah. possible there would have been campaigns, hey, we need to support this movie. Go see it a few times. Yeah. I saw it three times in the theater. I'm, I'm also one of those people that I saw Firefly when it first aired on TV. Um, I, I was really fortunate enough to catch the commercials that Fox was kind of um, trying to push through Dark Angel. For those people that don't know, like Firefly was a fluke. It wasn't supposed to be a success. It was really what... Uh, Fox used to get Dark Angel off the air, which angered a lot of people. Kinda... And I think which one of the reasons angered a lot of people. And I think one of the reasons why Firefly failed was because so many people were upset by Dark Angel. I remember, like, my brother loved Dark Angel, and I remember him sitting down, turning on the television to watch Dark Angel. Firefly came on, and he like went ballistic. And we turned off the television and didn't see Firefly, didn't know what it was until years later. And I have to wonder, like, how many people, like, went to watch Dark Angel, got mad, turned off the television and walked away and killed it without realizing that they were killing a really amazing show. Well, I, I will tell you two other things killed it. One, uh, they aired it out of sequence. So if you've watched the DVDs, oh, yeah. you know that Firefly is a sequential TV show. Each story builds on the last. Um they only aired 10 of the 13 episodes. And then what they started doing was they put it on at 8, then at 8.30. They killed it for two weeks due to Major League Baseball, put it back on, pulled it off. And That's they right. never, you know, if, if people were angry that, you know, Dark Angel got treated badly, uh, Firefly got treated far worse because they basically just dumped it in any slot on Friday that they could as filler. Yeah. I, too, had watched it air when it originally aired. I don't know if I caught every episode, but I remember it airing, and I tuned in specifically to watch uh, Firefly because I was not watching Dark Angel at all. But, yeah. I tuned in because it, it was the closest thing to the Millennium Falcon that we would have on TV in a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, very good. But Serenity. Serenity. Serenity is actually uh, a really great movie that um, it, it does really well to stand alone if you've never seen Firefly, but it's also one of those movies that if you've seen the TV shows, there's so many in jokes that just makes so much more sense by watching the show. You know, and, that, and I'm glad that you said that because it is a movie that if you have never watched Firefly, they give enough, enough of a premise when they introduce the show that you... That you that you have a good feel for what's going on. They don't leave you. It's not just it's not just a film for fans. Even though ultimately that's what really it was. They have to try some way let 
somebody who is not a Firefly watcher know what what, what this universe is about. And they, they do a pretty good job in the opening scene with um, the whole classroom scene. Yeah. And you see the idea, the, 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 these generation ships coming to these planets to uh, terraform them and everything. I thought that was that was well done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that it just, um, from that point on, right when they go into the ship, it's less than five minutes. So you have less than five minutes of exposition done really, really well um, into the thing that everybody in the theater was waiting for. And I remember the first time uh, sitting in the theater watching the, the ship come to life on the big screen, and they did a masterful one-take from the captain walking from the back of the ship to the or front of the ship to the back of the ship all the way down to the cargo bay all in one long take uh and or what looks like one long take yeah and you're just sitting there riveted while these two people and it's just two people talking and walking and that's all it is and you're just like i i'm in love yeah it does it, it looks seamless but you, you find out when you uh guess you look in the extras and stuff that they did do a split in the middle of it a little blend that they had to but it did look like one continuous take in that but well very good we can talk about this movie at a, uh, with a couple different angles um uh, one of the things that we toyed with maybe kind of looking at this movie um we obviously are gonna get it gonna get in favorite moments and quotes and stuff like that um but this this story really does follow the classic archetype of uh, a hero's journey um it's kind of this mythological construct that even like Star Wars followed, Lord of the Rings followed, The Hobbit followed, um, that, you know, the heroes go through a certain progress um, or go through certain steps to kind of fit this idea of a mythology and serenity is no exception to that. Are you familiar with the hero's journey, Mike? I am. It's, it's a, as a writer, it's something I look at. It's, when I wrote Brown Coats Redemption, I really studied hard at what the, what they did with with Serenity and how closely to the hero's journey they followed, um, and it was amazing. It was almost I don't want to say a paint by number story because it's not the least, but it was a really really well done um, job. That if you if you pay attention to each character, each character has their own hero's journey, with Mal being the main arc. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Em, how about you? Are you familiar with the hero's journey concept? I am not familiar with the hero's journey concept, um, but as I read through the notes that you so kindly provided, um, I I have a passion for reading something where I reading stories and watching movies and television shows where it's not just one person's journey; it's a collective journey, and it's it's something that goes full arc from the beginning to the very very end. It's not just you know hero of the week kind of thing. And I when I when I found um, uh, Firefly. Uh, I had actually seen parts of Serenity and didn't know what was going on. Went back, found the TV show, just binge watched it and embraced every minute of it. And that that was one of the key things that I do love about the show is the fact that they did take that story for each person and have it intertwine and then separate and come back. And it's it's that's. My Uh, so for those that don't know that for a while, but Joseph Campbell kind of created the standard for it, which is the standard path of an adventure of a hero in a formula representing a rite of passage. Um, so they have like the, the birth, the beginning, a call to action or adventure, uh, the helpers, 
um, the crossing of the threshold, the tests, the climax, the big fight, the return, and then the elixir, which is the the object known to be what they're they're trying to acquire, and then their return home. And if you follow that arc, you have all of that throughout the course of Serenity. Like Mal's uh, constantly tested as what his character. And if you've seen the show, it's it's not an unfamiliar turn for him. But for those people watching Serenity for the first time, it's it's not a path that the average hero would take. No, certainly not. And I think they, um, the the movie, uh, it does the call doesn't come for him right away into the movie. I mean, you open up, you have the you have the uh, the bank robbery scene. You have him leaving that man behind. You have him uh, questioning, do I do I leave River behind? Chrissy, you were talking about this too a little bit. Well, and I think one of the reasons why he doesn't leave her behind is because, <clears throat> sorry, that's in my throat, is because he's feeling guilty about leaving the man behind for the Reavers and then consequently after that shooting him. Now, that was an act of mercy, but Zoe questions him and says, he's like, well, we couldn't take another person and survive. And she's like, well, we could have dumped the cargo, which is the payload. And so at that point, he realized that at that point he was valuing <clears throat> money over the life of another human being, which he wouldn't have done back when he was a sergeant or captain, depending on whether yeah. you go with the movie or the show, um, in the brown coat army. So that's, I think, what is one of the catalysts for him with sticking with River. Well, it, it's if you watch the movie, there's, it's masterfully done that if you've never seen the movie, his test is uh, choosing to, to keep them or leave them. But he actually chose to take that test all the way back in the movie, the TV show when they first pick him up. Um, right. So it's a little bit of callback to the... And it's it's funny that the pilot episode is called Serenity and the movie is called Serenity. And they both have a little bit of the same arc about right. choosing to keep River and Simon on the ship. Um, but in the movie, it's choosing to actually go and fulfill the things that's bothering River rather than just keeping her. Um and I, I really, I gotta really applaud Whedon for doing that, for riding that line between retelling the same story versus the same story out to a new avenue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, other things you see that play into the uh, the hero's journey here, as you see it, um, you know, anyone here can speak. I mean, there's this kind of an epiphany for uh, River. I mean, she, she's finding out more who she is and what was done to her yeah, and what she can do. Which yeah, will... Boy, do we see what she can do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, even the, uh, you know, when you have the, the accepting the call, uh, the entering the unknown, you know, Reaver space and Miranda, that's all kind of unknown territory. Not for, for us as an audience, even though it's hinted at, um, or, you know, in the TV show, but for us in the movie, this is a new territory and certainly is new territory for the Serenity crew or the Firefly crew. Yeah, I mean, I think there's only one... They, they mentioned the Reavers throughout the entire series, and there's only one episode where they, they dealt with it. Dude, and you didn't really see too. a Reaver in that episode. You saw somebody that was impacted by them. Yeah. But Serenity was your first chance to get to see the big scary monsters. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things that we were debating here before we went live is, does the fact that we see the big scary monsters make them less scary for us? Because in the, one of the things that Firefly thrived on is here's the boogeyman in the dark. And you don't ever really see them. But now suddenly you see them. 
Do we lose something by doing that a little bit? Well, I mean, I, I think you have to take it into consideration that this was probably the last time Whedon ever thought he could tell the, the characters uh, this story with these characters. So mm-hmm. he'd have no other opportunity to show them. Um, so if you look at it from that point, no, it, it was the perfect time to see him. It's kind of like if you watch Jaws, you don't see Jaws until two-thirds of the way through the movie. Um, and he's always, it's always the shark is always hinted at. But... Uh, I think, unfortunately, having seen them now, if they ever do anything in the future, you kind of take the power away from that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, other thoughts on the... Uh, any other thoughts on the hero's journey? Uh, I, I think the Kaylee's hero's journey is probably the most adorable one for me. Okay. Which is the end of the movie when she kind of realizes that Simon admits that he likes her and she's like like sex <laughs> yeah. and he's like yeah and live. Like, <laughs> I love live that and turns into a little bit of a badass <laughs> like because up until that point she's she's not the damsel in distress she's not the, the meek and, and timid but she's she's always kind of hiding in the background and now she's got uh, she's been tested and has an opportunity to live and then moments after that you have rivers which is when she's seen everything around her that's been protecting her taken away, and and she turns full badass. Um, and I don't want to ruin it. I mean, the movie came out in 2005, so it's, it shouldn't be spoilers for anybody almost 50, 10 years later. But uh, you know, it's not when, spoilers. When no spoiler alert here. We can ruin it. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, she's actually wielding the axe from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, that's and that's awesome. I missed that. Is that true? Uh, it looks pretty close to it. <laughs> How great would that be? That that's amazing. It might be might be true. <laughs> well, there was there's a fan service that said River is one of the um, the chosen, like Buffy. Mm-hmm. She's a slayer oh. in the future. Well, she is a slayer if you see that scene in Serenity. She's yeah. certainly a slayer. So vampires, reavers. Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of the same thing. Yeah. We'll stretch it. <laughs> you know, one, one of the things that uh, was interesting was, you know, when you get to Miranda and you find out the truth about what happened there, um, mm. there are some eerie parallels to stuff that we've done in society. Okay. So um, this is something that I actually remembered from my um, psych class in my undergrad is that we talked about how in like the 50s and 60s, um, there had been some talk about like, actually releasing some um drugs into and to the um environment into the population and actually um came out later that the cia cia had released some lsd experiments to um various people unwittingly and followed them just to see kind of like what it was doing and other parallels comes with like um the i'm gonna say this wrong so everyone can like crucify me later i think it's like the tusky um, experiments with civilists, how they exposed um, some African Americans to it, and then they denied and discouraged them from seeking treatment just to study the um, course of the disease back in the 1930s. So we see like some parallels where you have the government introducing um, drugs or denying treatment as sort of like this massive experiment whether or not they like they claim that they mean well but at the same time there's still that real human toll i mean in here it's only hundreds of people but in serenity it's i think they said like 30 million people on a single colony <laughs> so you have um 
kind of this eerie parallel where you think, oh, well, that's science fiction. But then you go back in history and you see how many times governments have kind of done that. And it's a little bit scary in a way. Yeah, I mean, social engineering is is a big thing throughout history. I mean, if you just do some research, you kind of get creeped out on what human beings are capable of doing to each other. And I think that was a big call to action of what the Miranda story was about. I'm curious about how many people actually started looking into that stuff because of the movie. I don't know. I kind of knew about it before the movie. So when I was watching, I was like, oh, it's kind of like that thing. Um, so like I saw lots of, you know, parallels to it from my own like experience and just thinking of like, even today, how we use like certain environmental things to control, like, you know, how we set up our cities, how like, um, Scott was talking about how they play music in his school during, um, like the changing of classes to decrease fighting. I think my mom used to talk about like them painting like certain hospital walls, like pink or something to help like make people calm and sleepy. So it's, and even like putting up cubicles in a workspace was to try to increase productivity and decrease people talking to one another. So we still see like remnants of using environment to control people's behavior for good or for ill. And the question is, when does it start crossing over? Well, I think one of the biggest crossovers that you have is is the French Revolution, is that you have uh, a period in time where people were just, you know, shifted and molded to the way that the, the government at the time thought it was until the people kind of rose up and, and changed. Um, but that's that's a separate historical topic altogether. We can get back <laughs> on the topic of serenity. Yeah. But it'd be interesting if, if, if Whedon took some inspiration from that stuff to to the whole the whole Miranda thing. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But I do know he, uh, one of the big things that inspired Firefly was reading about the Civil War. Which you see lots of remnants of when he when you see like the independence versus the alliance. I mean, I hear this stuff and I'm like, it's totally a throwback to the Civil War. Well, even some of the names like Jubal Earl in uh, Firefly, the TV show, is an actual name. And there, I think Malcolm Reynolds is a name as well. So there's there's names that were pulled directly from history um, to be used in Firefly, and possibly even Serenity. I haven't even done the the research on that one. There was a post in the wiki about um, the parallels of this of Serenity and Firefly itself being kind of a as the old adage is if you don't learn from history, history will repeat itself, and that <clears throat> the TV show kind of shows that after the globalization of of English and Chinese uh, cultures, and that they're the two that survive and take up most of the planet. That um, that whole American history expansion westward, uh, that all of that, it just kind of repeats itself over again. All the mistakes that we made, all the way the way that we handled things, the way that that life, you know, when you dump people in the middle of the nowhere, what's going to happen? And the ex- it just it just repeats itself, but on a on a whole new part of the universe. Well, what was interesting to me is just how Whedon looked at. Um, if you go back and looked at the 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 Rim worlds, the worlds that were still in the process of either being terraformed or had been recently terraformed, <laughs> they were pretty much straight out of the old west. And it's hundreds of years in the future. And even with all the technology, I think people still revert back to the basics of needs. Mm. And civilization hasn't caught up to them yet. 
they're still living pioneer style. Exactly, and still bartering and trading, and it, it's it's kind of uh, almost martial law like. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much the alliance holds back technology from them in order to ensure compliance, because it talks about meddling, and I know that with our own like um, welfare system that we talk about this because this is my social work major coming out. Um, we talk about how we will use like assistance as a way of social control. So I do wonder like how much of that goes on in that universe. And unfortunately, we wouldn't have been able to like delve into it because of having to cut a lot of things from like say Serenity instead of a season two. So I kind of always wonder like how much of that would he have gone into had he given the chance. Well, I think it's interesting because you have stories like the Hunger Games that are really focusing on stuff like that in today's story. Direct comparison to the the Firefly universe, to the Hunger Games universe, where uh, Capital City is the alliance and each of the districts, as the further out in the districts you go, they become more and more kind of rugged, with District 12 being the most kind of disparaged, like a Rimworld planet. and how the government itself is more worried about taking care of its own needs more than the people in the furthest reaching until those people start impacting their daily needs. Mm -hmm. Like when you can, when the people on the outside stop supplying the thing that the people on the inside need, that's the only time people on the inside will start looking out. Wow, we got deep. Yeah, we did get deep. Let's let's maybe maybe we should need to lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> um, All right, let's let's go with uh, favorite moments. Yes, that's a that, great that idea. Scott, something that's something Scott mentioned. Okay, the first one is actually um, it is my and don't hate me for this, everyone. My favorite death scene of any movie or book is actually washes, and the reason is is because it's so like emotionally charged because it's after they go through all these ships, everyone's breathing a sigh of relief, and it's. And it's like real life in a way, like you're you're not expecting it. And that's why I liked it so much was that it just all of a sudden hits you like a train. And, you know, normally when you're watching a movie, you can kind of semi expect it during a fight scene. But after the fight scene, that's when you're like, you're calm, you're all breathing. You're like, OK, everyone's all right. Whew. No one died. We're all good. And then wham, right there. And it really like just grabbed me so emotionally. I'm like, if you're gonna kill off a character, you had better make me cry. Like that is that is my rule. Otherwise, I don't understand why you're doing it. So that's well, why it's my favorite death scene is because it got that sort of reaction. I didn't actually cry, but it like really grabbed me emotionally, and that's why I love it so much. I, I will say I'm a huge horror fan, and I'm a huge uh, sci-fi thriller fan, and death scenes normally don't grab me, but. That one grabbed me the most because we had already seen Book die. And that was a very kind of honorable death for the character. And then Wash was just out of nowhere. And I will I will be honest, the first time I saw it in the theater, I had an audible to say it. Like, I'm normally not the person that yells at the screen. But, like, the minute that that happened, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, and then I had to stop, <laughs> look around, and everybody else in the theater was sharing that same moment. And every time you see it since then, you can whether they've seen it for the first time or they're seeing it for the first time or they've seen it a hundred times before, the room will just collectively gasp. Like, all the air will get sucked out of the room in that one scene. Yeah. I jumped. It was like a punch in the gut for me. Yeah. No, I definitely jumped. Like, I started... I, I think I think following along the lines of deaths, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when uh, Mal comes along Mr. Universe after the operative has killed him 
and and he's talking through his uh, synthetic robot girlfriend. <laughs> and the line is the favorite line is he killed me with a sword, Mal. A sword. It's just like how weird is that? <laughs> yeah, it's just that's what you think when you're dying. <laughs> right. And it just it makes me laugh. It shouldn't make you laugh, but it makes me laugh. Um, they did this a few times in the movie, but what I liked was when they would get all serious. They'd have a, or, or a knocked out, dragged out argument. And Mal, it's between Mal and Jane. And, and, and Mal asks Jane, you know, do you want to take over the ship? And, and Jane says, yes. He goes, well, you can't. Yeah. You know, it's a, he doesn't have a. It's, it's not. It's not the best comeback in the world, and that's and that's what makes it so awesome. Is he? It, it just. It's just funny. It's just he, he doesn't have a good comeback, but he just says you can't take over. And, well, I, I think it's he wasn't expecting Jane to be like, yeah, I'll do it, <laughs> but so he's kind of like, but, well, no. Yeah. Well, and I like it because it's very subversive of that classic like. It's a very classic line in a lot of movies where they're like, you want to run things, you want to lead this, and usually that person backs down. So when Jane actually says yes, that's when the whole audience like goes, oh, well now what? And that's that's the exact feeling that you feel with Cal- with Malcolm going, uh, what do I say now? Because I, I said the line that makes you back down and you didn't. So it's just like, uh, well, you, you can't. And I love that. And they, and they did that I, again. I, um this was um, River sort of, well, she escapes from Jane. Then she's on the bridge, and Mal's trying to talk her down. I don't remember the exact dialogue. Chrissy, I think you remember it. But basically, he tries to reason with her, and then she just points the gun and, and cocks the trigger back, and he goes, oh, we can keep talking. It's, right. Yeah. It's, he's asking, he's saying that he is betting on the fact that she's a human whole and not to some weapon and if it's a weapon and she's just a weapon he she might as well kill her kill him now and that's when she cocks the weapon and he's like or we could just talk which is another scene um when jane is almost getting pulled back by the reverse he's like if you shoot me if they take me and then like malcolm's about to shoot off i guess like the whatever is holding onto jane and he's like well it's me now It's, I think one of my, my, my favorite, other favorite lines is when, or moments, is when uh, you see Inara and she's separated from the group and, and she goes to pray and there's Mal with a thing over his head. He's like, dear Buddha, please bring me a pony and a plastic rocket. <laughs> and you're just like, what? What? <laughs> okay. It's so ridiculous. It's brilliant. Oh. It is. Love it. Because it's what all of us would do. We would say the most inappropriate thing at the most inappropriate time. There's, but that's something that's involved in the movie, even in the TV show. That is, I I can't identify a specific moment that's my favorite or least favorite. It's it's, it's those intertwining moments of humanity where you're gonna bicker, or you're gonna snark, or you're gonna make those little comments that you make to your buddies. And it's not just this is the movie. Here is the story. I'm delivering the lines. It's the actual conversations. It's actual like interaction and and the cast being as tight as they were as quickly as they they got really tight really quickly it's 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 the whole production of creating that world and then creating those delicious little funny goofy moments where you know Mal and Anara are escaping and they're bickering about something 
or you know there's just there's always a little something going on that that adds to the humanity of the story and makes you love it even more that that brings brings you to the to the people they're not just critters on a page or critters on a tv screen that they you you care about them and i think the entire universe i love for making me care this much about uh, fictional people because in my brain I want to believe that there's another universe out there where this is happening because it's it would be sad if it didn't well I think you kind of come back to the thing that makes Firefly and Serenity as, as amazing as it is is that it's just like Buffy you cast Whedon cast the right people for the right roles mm-hmm. and not only the right people in the right roles but that chemistry of people uh, just, just turned into the right potion of awesome um, to the point that those they're all still friends today, and the lines that if you read them on the page, they seem kind of hokey, but then when they're delivered by people who care about each other and they're delivered in that friendly banter sort of way that you mentioned, um, that's completely natural only when you feel comfortable with that other person. It just, you feel like you're watching the lives of your friends, not mm-hmm. characters on a screen. When I was just going to say, I was one of the things that made Firefly so and Serenity so appealing is you felt like these are people that you could go hang out with at a bar or run into at a restaurant or, you know, hang out with wherever, that these are the, they're just regular people trying to make their way in the verse. And, and you just feel, you feel, you feel a connection because there's nothing really super about them, except that they're kind of committed to each other. And they seem like just real down to earth people with their flaws, their, their expressions, their frustrations, and their weaknesses. You can hang out with them in a bar, but you have to make sure which you know you're not there on a specific day. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're wearing a brown coat, that's, that's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you probably don't want to be wearing the brown coat on the U day. Yeah. I would totally do it anyways. Yeah. If if I was in that company, I knew I'd have some. You know, somebody would have my back. River would but, have my back. Come on, yeah, no one's gonna mess with her. Oh yeah. I do repeatedly love how she's managed to kick um, Jane's ass a couple of times through the in the in the TV show and in the movie. And what's with this? He tries he tries to turn it he tries to turn her in again. Seriously? It didn't he learn the first and, time? And then in the TV, I think it's in the TV show where Wash has the line. Let's go back to let's go back to the store the part where Jane let's gets. Ass kicked by a girl. That's actually in the movie. Um, I think one of the reasons why we see Jane do that in the movie is because, once again, it's Whedon kind of retelling the story in a slightly different way. So for audiences that never have seen it, that's like a part. Of, that's a part of Jane's character that you get to see, and it's very brief. But like, if you look at the rest of the movie, Jane, you don't see as much of Jane as like you see in the show. Like we never get to meet Vera. I mean. Which Unfortunately, is, which is which is I love Vera. I love Vera. Vera, favorite gun. So, um, like, so I think that some of that is just rehashing a little bit, so that you get more of Jane's character. That he's the kind of character that would sell her out for whatever reason. Mm. So, so the line is: start with the part where Jane gets knocked out by a ninety-pound girl, because I don't <laughs> think that's ever getting old. And it never does. <laughs> it I could watch does. that scene all day. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it's the 
Jane is the type of character that the only reason he's with those crew is because he's decided that they're family and they're family up until a certain point. And he's always been a character who's the most self-serving of the group. And that didn't change at all through Serenity, which was really nice to see. Well, and it, do, it doesn't change, but he... They're family to a point, but that point when he arrives as it gets pushed back at him. And he has to kind of grapple with that and saying, well, I have to redefine what point it is that I'm going to stick with these guys. Yeah. And so he, it's, it's, it's an area of growth for Jane, and it's one that you certainly see developed over the series, but then even in the movie you see developed in the limited time it has. Well, in, in the TV show, it's about money, and in the movie, it's about survival. Mm. And and I think if you look at it from that point of view, in the movie, Jane is doing it to protect the people that he cares about, um, which is kind of a noble in a weird sort of way. But in the TV show, he's doing it solely for the, I just want a good paycheck, and I don't get these characters out of my hair. Yeah. When the, which the is TV... like still too early for him to have, have cared about them at all. Yeah. Mm. In the uh, in the TV show, I mean, the ship's always running and broke, so <laughs> so and and that continued in the movie very very well. Even though the ship looked really really nice and really pristine and uh, the way a big movie would, and and I don't know how many people are nerds like me, but I noticed right away that the ship was different in the movie than the TV show. In the TV show, it was it was browns and dust and dirt, and in the movie, it was a lot of blues and grass. And are redecorated. And Grace, well, they had to. They had to completely a. They had to completely rebuild it, um, and b. They had to find um, the the guy that had the the what the heck blueprints for the ship because they had gotten lost in the Firefly Ar- in the Fox archive because it wasn't a show that Fox cared about a whole lot. Well, apparently, according to this trivia that I believe was provided by, I think I put it in. Oh, so, Scott I, here. IMDb. All so. right. Well, you can <laughs> share it if you want. Well, no, Nathan Fillion apparently took pictures of all the blueprints and they used them to kind of develop the schematics for the ship. So Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you if you look at certain things, I, I, was, I have a friend that actually got the tour of the set of Serenity and he did, like, side-by-side comparisons of the, the one from the TV show and the one from the movie. And the differences outside of color are subtle, but they're not enough that you would notice. And, and you could tell it's really kind of going, we, we don't have this portion of the blueprint, so we're just going to put this here kind right. of thing. Right, Well, it's been X, X amount of years from one to the other, so things can change. You have yeah. to patch things differently. I do love the very end, the, the very last few seconds of the of the movie when the ship is flying off and a piece of the, of the, the ship comes flying at you and... All you, it just kind of it flies right at the camera, and you hear Mel go, "What was that?" Yeah, and, it's just great. And great credits. Ending. That yeah. was, it just to because the ship was always falling apart. Yeah, and it was the big callback to the opening scene of the ship, which that is, was, uh, yeah, when, when they're they're landing. I think they're landing in something, and the, the light panel falls off the ship. Right, it is, it is, and he's like, "Oh God, oh God, we're all gonna die." <laughs> Great line. <laughs> By the way, uh, before we move on, Chrissy does need to go tonight. To show, so she's going to be stepping out of the podcast. But thank you so much for joining us tonight yes. and chatting about Serenity. You're welcome. I do love that thank movie. You, yeah. You're yeah. Oh, Chrissy. By the way, in Guild Wars Two, there's a there is a um, a an ascended uh, rifle called Vera. 
I'm, that you can craft. I must now get it. <laughs> yeah. That is going to be my... Well, you know what? Screw doing my graduate homework. I will simply have to get beer. That's, they're all just that's, do that's, it. Seriously. Go get your dailies, woman. <laughs> <laughs> you, you totally need to look me up. Yeah. Um, Scott can we'll tell have, you. We'll have to have you on again It's time. You can share my... Um, my character name and account name is the same as my email that I gave you, so right. you can just hand that off. I'll oh, hand perfect. it off to you. All right. I'll find you. All right, darlings. I'm going to get going and hopefully not kill myself on the ice. Absolutely. Be Lovely careful. to see you all. Be careful. Thank you for joining you us. You are not You're a welcome. leaf in the wind. Yeah, you are not a leaf in the wind, he said. Oh, <laughs> I better not be because then I will die with like a branch a coming through my, wind. my windshield. Yeah, Very let's, let's hope that. Thank you so much. You're Good night, Chrissy. So, Yep. Bye, Chrissy. Bye, Chrissy. Yeah. By the way, Joseph in the chat room, Joseph in the chat room uh, just said that uh, Castle, of course, makes tons of Firefly references with Nathan oh, Fillion. Yeah. Um, All over the place. There's pieces of the set that he took and stuff that he's gotten from Quantum Mechanics and put it on the on the on the show. So, and if you watch the Halloween episode, he actually, for the very first season, he dresses up as Mal. And there is the uh, engine part that they're trying to get from the very pilot episode. <laughs> or not the pilot episode. It's, uh, I think it's Objects in Space when uh, he's shot and kind of trying to put the part back in. Mm-hmm. That part is, sh- is sitting on the shelf at his knee level. And I think the, the best line that his daughter has, and it was like, you know, didn't you wear that like five years ago? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, I got, go ahead. The callback to the episode where there's a murder at a con, and it happens on this experience that is um, based on a TV show that only had like ten episodes, and uh, um, Beckett is a huge fan, and Castle's giving her grief, like, dude, I mean, they only had ten episodes. Who'd watch that? Yeah. And <laughs> just littered all over that show. Every once in a while, there's just a lovely little callback here and there, and that's it's nice. It's really nice to see that. And, and the rare occasion that they've had a Firefly cast member on the show, mm. just, it's wonderful. Because it's it, I, I th- when they had Adam Baldwin, the roles were reversed. Uh. <laughs> and oh, yeah. Adam Baldwin was the captain. That's think, right. Or he yes. was the one in charge, yeah. <laughs> and yes. then the actress who plays Zoe. Gina Torres. Gina yeah. Torres was fantastic. That was a, It was the reality show episode. Yes. That well, was good. So, and Nathan Fillion was on uh, Big Bang Theory recently. Oh yes, I did hear about that. Yes, he was on that last episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I missed it. Was it good? It was cute. It was really cute. I'm not going to spoiler it, but he was on, and he looked, he looked, he still looks a little fluffy, but he looked good. He looks less <laughs> fluff, less fluffy than normal. He's looking a little less fluffy. There's something about the way that they dress him and light him on Castle that makes me worry. Like, he might have kidney problems or a Cheeto problem, one or the other. <laughs> it's the latter. It's the latter. <laughs> Definitely Cheetos. the latter. Well, you know, I think the thing that, uh, that I, that I as we sit here and talk Serenity, and I mean, Serenity came out, we were looking at 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has this movie... And really, this as we're discussing this movie, it's also our, a wrap-up of the discussion of all the Serenity episodes, the Firefly episodes that we've talked about. How has this continued to impact the science fiction community, the TV community, the movie community? I mean, how has this continued? What has been the long-lasting impact of Serenity? Well, I mean, you could, if you want to just continue with, like, uh, Big Bang Theory, 
there's episodes where they just drop Firefly quotes or references. I mean, there's the episode where they did the flashback of the first time that uh, Leonard meets Sheldon and they go over the roommate agreement. And the roommate agreement is that they will uh, every Friday at 8 o'clock be in front of the TV for Firefly because, of course, that's going to be on TV for, like, ever. (laughs) And there's, there's tons of stuff like that. There's... Uh, like we pointed out, Castle is a show predicated around Nathan Fillion um, and was kind of written and tailored for him. And he's made a point to make sure that Firefly is remembered throughout that TV show. Um, you yeah. have the, the comics that come out from uh, Dark Horse Comics that kind of tell the story of in between Firefly and Serenity what happened there and then what happened afterwards and a little bit about uh, after Serenity and and then there's the one that tells books backstory and every time these books come out they sell out so i think the the impact on culture the geek culture is huge i mean you know nathan fillion went from playing caleb in buffy the vampire slayer to you know the geek god for lack of a better term yeah what and we, we also have, we also have the uh, video game that's coming out where the cast where all the cast i believe comes in and makes appearances right yeah uh, there's the mmo I believe yeah. it's out there. There's, it's, you can get into the verse, but the actual gameplay is, is starting soon. It's definitely starting soon. And like I mentioned before, so in Guild Wars, you can get a gun named Vera. In World of Warcraft, you can buy Mutter's Milk for your critters. In battle, It was in Battlestar Galactica. The ship yep. flew by. I loved that. I remember I just finished binge-watching BSG. And I remember I kept the point... Uh, they they made a, a the a short lived they made a reference about a short lived TV show that the DVD sales went through the roof, um, it, it's just it's it's sweet even Community had a throwback to them and Castle is the premier like showcase for for throwbacks which is nice. Well, I mean even the Ninjas Verse series, there's nods to Firefly throughout that. There's nods to Firefly in in tons of movies that you could see that are out now that are kind of geek culture based and it's. Um, I think it's it's really the the underdog that could. I mean, there's tons of shows, and the the direct correlation that I've heard most people use is when Star Trek first came out. It was a one episode thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. I I mean, we could. There's so many people have are have done and will do exactly what we're doing right now, which is just finding all those little nuggets that we love about it and. I feel like I'm sitting here. I'm excited to do this, to sit and talk to you guys about it. But I'm I'm so afraid that everything we've said has already been said. But then I, I just want to keep talking about it. And that says something about uh, a world that's been created. It does. And, and it says something that um, you have fans every year that have Can't Stop the Serenity, which is a charity event that happens worldwide where once one day out of the year you can go to the movie theater and watch it on the big screen and all the proceeds go to charity. And that's mm-hmm. that's happened at a long time now. I almost want to say uh, seven years, not eight years yeah. now. It's been um, a while. It's been a while. And that's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for Equality Now and different charities throughout the world. And, you know, that's fans getting together at a movie theater, fans getting together at their home. Um, I know for a fact, and I still do it today, that, like, you know, people buy copies of Firefly and they buy an extra copy so they could lend it to their friends and it's it's become the cult classic that it is and it's unfortunate that we don't have more 
But on the other hand, I'm kind of glad that we don't because it might devalue the very thing that you have. Like it's the it's the worry that I had about the the Star Wars episodes one through three when they came out. It was like it kind of tainted my view of of a New Hope and everything else. And you know, it's that worry for the new Star Wars movies coming out. Will it will it devalue it more? So I'm I'm kind of wondering that. Is, is Firefly and Serenity and that nice little pocket of time that should just be kept as a memory. You know, this is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a catch-22 because on one hand, you do want, you, you want more. I mean, it's the reason why, uh, you know, after three years of Star Trek, they they started pulling out the movies. They, they came up with, you know, Next Gen and then Voyager and Deep Space Nine and all these. And you have... And, and, and we want we want more we want more story, but but the risk we run with it is it's not gonna it's gonna not gonna meet the expectations realistic or unrealistic that we sometimes have of the the universe that we've grown to love and in one way having the limited universe we have have has blown it into kind of mythic proportions because we only have this limited amount. So- yeah, I completely agree. I have no problem with the continuation of the universe and creating more, like Michael did with um, Browncoat's Redemption, which is right here. <laughs> Aww. I know. Um, more information on the back. Um, <laughs> creating that universe is important. So like with Star Trek, that universe was important to me because I wanted to know more. And the fact that they took it to the Delta Quadrant and the fact that they put it on a ship that didn't go anywhere, that was connected to a whole other quadrant, that I, I like that. Um, with Star Wars, they kept their universe and they continued in their universe. They took characters and stretched them in a place that they really should not have gone. Um <laughs> hashtag midichlorians um, and that was too much and that devalued Star Wars for me The but so my worry is that people are going to want to create more Firefly with the original characters and stretch them too thin instead of creating other parts of that universe like Mike did which I love because it gives me another snippet of the world of the West, you know, the space cowboy that I liked so much. And it doesn't have to have Mal. It doesn't have to have Zoe. It'd be neat if we heard about them and saw that they're they're still existing. I love the question mark of what happened to them and, and you know, what's happened to, to River. Stargate universe. I mean, they took their universe and stretched it out huge and had new characters, had people come back. As long as the universe lives, I'm okay. But these people, uh, and I get really frustrated when I meet people who are all like, well, Firefly needs to get all those actors together and they all have to be in the basement of my house where I've built the entire set and redo it all. Like, no, just it's, we've, we've been given that gift and you can't give us the gift again, but we can remember it and keep building on to it. And you, you just can't relive that moment anymore. Accept that and, and give me more of the universe. And that's, that's all I really want. Preach it, sister. <laughs> well, that yeah. that was actually my point with Browncoat's Redemption was that you know I I saw the crew of Redemption as kind of like the same way that Star Trek: The Next Generation did. It's the universe, same universe, same kind of technology and stuff that you love, but just fast forwarded a little bit with a different cast and crew. Um, and my hope with that was that it would inspire more people to create more Firefly fan films to kind of. Uh, you know, let the baby Groots of the world have their their little nourishment to make them turn into big Groots. 
uh, <laughs> because if you look at the Star Wars universe, that's that's what happened. It's like when the three films were done, they had some continued universe done by Timothy Zahn, and then from there they just went to uh, the fans and embraced by Lucas. So I'd really sorry. I just threw a pillow at my cat, who's decided <laughs> that it's time to get attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. that you can hear. So uh, I'm going to go torture a cat for a second, and I will be right back. All right. <laughs> Very cool. What's that? Um, looks like it's a dinosaur. Oh, yes. This land. It's, we shall call it's it Wash's this dinosaurs. Land. Look. This land. Hold on. I'll find the script. I'm going to I'll redo it. Oh, there you go. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, you're... You, Wash yeah. and dinosaurs. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, it's. I, I agree. I think that it's. I agree with keeping the universe alive, bringing in new characters to play in that universe. You know, advance it 10, 20 years in the future. What has happened? Mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with that. I mean, by the time they produce it again, by the time they put it into production again, it's going to be a good, you know, 20 years since um, Firefly originally aired. And that's, you know, let's, let's put, you know, Terrible title, but let's put out Firefly the Next Generation. Let's put a another spin on it, put another crew together, and maybe a different type of ship in the same universe, you know, with the Alliance and, you know, that sort of thing going on. It could work. Well, uh, you, you have you, you have two factors that go into that, though, Scott. You have one that this was – this is Joss Whedon's baby. Um like you have to get the man's permission to be able to to play in that world a little bit, mm. and the other side of the coin is that it's not much has been done to expand the world outside of the main characters. So, you know, unlike Timothy Zahn books, which he did a really masterful job of building the world beyond the movies that we saw, we're kind of stuck in that little microcosm of what we've got a Firefly, and I, I don't I worry that. Um, Whedon hasn't spent enough time building the world outside of, like, there's the RPGs and there's the little bit of the graphic novels, but, you know, even the one thing that Patton Oswalt did, which was three guys that nobody knew about talking about how they knew Wash, didn't go over so well because people just want the the crew. They're, it, it, me nuts. And I, I agree like, with you. It just drives me nuts. Here we go. So here, little little Serenity Playhouse. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> this is a fertile land, and we will thrive. We will rule over this land and call it this, this land. land. I think we should call it your grave. Ah, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> Mine is an evil laugh. Now die. Oh, God, dear God in heaven, no. <laughs> and... And, and that's going on Instagram. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you definitely need that. Uh, <laughs> well, is there anything else we need to say about the movie? I think we've done a good job of paying homage to the movie and talking about its impact. As I go through the trivia stuff, there's little things that I noticed that things that struck a chord with me when I saw it, but I didn't understand what it was. Like um, the funeral scene where they're burying everyone. Um, So on their gravestones, everyone's putting a stone on their, on their gravestones. And to me, it kept resonating. Like that was important to me. And it dawned on me that that is um, 
I think it's in the Jewish faith that that is a, a something that mourners do as a sign of respect. They leave a stone on their grave. So I love that. And then the other thing that was kind of bugging me, not bugging me, but kind of sat with me for a bit. And then I looked it up where uh, Mr. Universe wants his 30 silver. Oh, yeah. Hold on. No, I yeah, it's, the, uh, it. it's a reference to uh, Judas, the portrayal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So all these little beautiful things that were were just great. Body count seventy four. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, well, I mean, the, it's it's tons of alliterations, it's tons of stuff in there, um, it, peppered if you're paying attention. And then there's just some really, you know, as as Chrissy pointed out, some really great nods to the original show if you paid attention to it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's done so well that it's not a rehash. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think we've I think we've done a good job though. Really, uh, could we just share maybe just a couple quotes. Yeah, do you want to share a quote? Give give me give me a quote or two. This is from Jane. Ain't logical. Cutting on his own face, raping and murdering. Well, I mean, hell, I'd I'd kill a man in a fair fight, or I think he's going to start a fair fight, or if he bothers me, or if there's a woman, or if I'm getting paid. Mostly only when I'm getting getting paid. But these reavers. Last 10 years, they show up like the boogeyman from the stories, eating people alive. Where does that get fun? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good quote. Definitely. Uh, I like it when the operative stops and says, do you know what your sin is, Mal? And Mal's response is, ah, hell, I'm a fan of all seven, but right now I'm going to have to go with wrath. (laughs) That's such a Mal response, too. It's 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 geniusly communicated that it was it like he knew what he was doing. He's an incredibly smart man. And that's just fight scene that them two had. I mean, they just beat the living crap out of each other. That's just, well, I mean, there's a uh, when when you see Nathan Fillion smack his face against the plexiglass when he hits the ground. Mm-hmm. That's him actually hitting the his face against the ground, and they actually uh, if in the in they say it in panels and they, it's in the behind the scenes. They had to stop after that take because he hit his face so bad it's swollen up. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I would believe it. I think one of my favorite I, quotes, and it was uh, actually an intro to the sci-fi diner for a while, was the, uh, um, I thought Kaylee checked the, checked the entry couplings. I have a very clear recollection of it. Well, she doesn't get us some extra flow from the engine room to offset the burn through. The landing's going to get pretty interesting. They find interesting. Oh God! Oh God! We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think uh, the 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 most touching one for me was a callback to the TV show. It's it's Mal and and Book when books die or before Book dies, and Mal's like it, it took. Uh, I look to be bored by many of your sermons before you slip. Just don't move. And then Book says, "You can't order me around, boy. I'm not one of your crew." And then Mal says, "Yes, you are." Which is a direct nod to oh, yes. um, the episode where he they finally accept Simon and River, and um, Mal says something to the effect of like you're you're part of my crew. Why are we still talking about this? Right. Mm. It's just Mal accepting people, but accepting them in his own way. And it's really an echo of Shepard Book's character, who's really at times questions why he's with them. You know, in, in this series. Yeah. So. Oh, and the ever famous line, she's starting to damage my calm. Oh, yeah, you're damaging my calm. <laughs> Just get us to the ground. Well, that'll happen pretty definitely. Yeah. 
these are. Oh, here's the line. I won't get it. You shoot me if they take me. Don't shoot me first. Little <laughs> Jane Todd. Uh, oh, one. Uh, this is a line that I saw uh, Jewel State use in something else. Is that uh, every heist he's got to start yelling my name. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's great. Every heist he's got to start yelling my name. Mal. Yeah. Good old Mal. Oh yeah. It's just in the leg. It'll bleed plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! Oh, this when is... they open the vault, when they open the vault, it's just, and it's the visual of of the vault opens, and there's Mal and Zoe and Jane, and Jane's just standing there, leaning up against the wall, and we're coming down in the vault, and the guard says, "You have to give me your your authorization password," and Jane, with like his face, just stays completely stoic. He just, and okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think he moved, but just there was so much communicated with so little movement. It was wonderful. Well, I, I, then you have, you know, when, when Simon and River are finally leaving the ship and Kaylee's like, don't pay anybody in advance and don't ride in anything with a Capuzin 38 engine that fall right out of the sky. <laughs> That's right. And it's, oh. it's, a, it's such a motherly thing of just like, it's, it's like a little Jewish mom and it was just so cute. Though it she it she you could just hear it in her voice. You can just hear it. They'll just fall right out of the sky. <laughs> She's choking back like a little bit of tears because there is the line about it's been uh, a year now. There there ain't been nothing twixt my nethers. Oh yeah, that Classic. wasn't run on batteries. I can't know that. <laughs> I can stand you uh... a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> I can't hear that. I like the uh, conversation between Inara and the operative, where operative saying to Mal, "You cannot make me angry." And in ours says, please spend an hour with them, you know, kind of a throwback oh, yeah. to throwback to their relationship, which has been very tumultuous throughout the series. Spe- speaking of, I, I heard that originally the operative was not going to kill Mr. Universe, but the actor playing the operative suggested that he, that, you know, that to, to, to guess make Mal look stronger, that he did make the operative angry. That's why he did end up killing Mr. Universe. Well, yeah, you get to the point where the operative needs to become desperate, where you could just kind of watch him through the course of the movie kind of become unraveled from his his little organizational mind that he had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when the when so when they're they're there on Mr. Universe's planet and they're all pointed up at the the sky and here comes Mal's ship and then here come the Reavers and fire and he loses his cool completely. Just fire fire everything, everything and that oh was, yeah, that was a great like, scene. You, that was his unravel. To me, that was his unravel point where you knew nothing, nothing was going to stand in his way as he could. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not surprised he killed Mister Universe. I mean, anybody who gave him the information he needed didn't need to remember him, or so, that well, didn't give him the information. Right. Yeah. So there's no point. That's why they couldn't find him in the, you know, he has no name, he has no history, no rank, no nothing. He just exists to his, he, he is, he is a process. Yeah. And that's all he is, 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 is the personification of a process of getting something done. Joseph's favorite quote is, I'm a leaf in the wind. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm the leaf in the wind. Yes, it's great. So I, I think uh, the thing that sums up the book and Mal relationship for me is when um, 
he's they're having the conversation and he's mouse says like i ain't looking for help on high that's a long wait for a train that don't come and then book says is why do you why when i talk about belief do you always think i'm talking about god and mm. it's it's really just book looking at mal and realizing that mal does not believe in himself all the time mm. yeah he's kind of winging it yeah and that that you know you can see that shift in the movie when he has that you know um, big speech about y'all got on this ship for different reasons and right. this is the thing I believe I'm doing yeah. and you could you can honestly see the character change from the whimsical kind of guy to like I now have a mission and yeah. and I, that would I almost what I think what the the Sergeant Malcolm Reynolds in the war must have been like yeah no absolutely. Ah, oh, well, these are all good, but uh, we do need to wrap it up. We're definitely over time with this episode, which is fine because it's Serenity Holy and we're allowed to be. Yeah, and uh, but we're allowed to be. longer than, the, than than Serenity ran. Yeah, almost, almost. So, um, but uh, before we go, Mike, thank you so much for joining with us for this discussion of Serenity. Anytime, I'll talk about Firefly with you any day of the week. Yeah. Can, can we uh, find out a little bit more where people can find you, stalk you, find out what you're doing and what you're involved in? Uh, yes, they can find me on the internet. That is www.theinternet.com. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> if you need to look that up, you can go to www.letmegoogle.thatforyou.com. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, followed by uh, www internet is still just a fad.com right okay. uh, you can go to uh, bigdamnfilms.org which is my company site you could go to uh, find me on twitter which is wickedjava w-i-c-k-e-d-j-a-b-a -A -A. Uh, funny story about that is uh, many years ago I was going to open an internet cafe when twitter first started and that's kind of where that name came from uh, and I just haven't gotten rid of it because I know people that that's what they know me by, and it's just very weird. I can tell where people know me from by what they call me. Um, so uh, there's that. There is Facebook. If you can find facebook.com forward slash films. I highly recommend everybody go check out Ninjas vs. Monsters trailer at ninjasverse.com, and I believe it's facebook.com forward slash ninjas vs. Monsters. And I think those are the, the big places to find me right now. Yeah, awesome. Well, we appreciate you joining us tonight, as always. I appreciate Yay. you having me. Yay. Yay. Well, and I believe that about does it for tonight. We need to wrap it up. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Keep tuned. We'll be, uh, we'll do, we'll have to do another movie sometime. We'll have to figure out what we want to do next regarding movies and discussions. <laughs> and Mike, we do have to talk to you about getting, uh, some people on to maybe do a review of Ninjas versus Monster, maybe getting some of the people on that worked in that film. Yep, just uh, give me some dates and I'll, I'll make some email connections happen. All right, well, we'll uh, maybe dialogue about it on Facebook tomorrow, guys. Cool. So we can make that happen. Sounds good. So, all right, well, I believe that's about it from our end. Uh, anything else, M, before we go? Other than Mike staring at me. <laughs> Mike Wazowski. Um, no, just uh, in a couple weeks, I'll be going to uh, Regeneration. Regeneration Who, which is here in the in the Baltimore area, um, which will be amazing. I'm going to try and get some interviews with some previous doctors with our friend David Moulton. Great. So you contacted what you got hooked up with him? 
We're all good to go. Awesome. Very good. He's excited about it. So, all right. Well, I believe. Mike, are you going? Uh, I think I am. Awesome. Yay. Okay. Sorry, Scott. No, no, that's fine. That's awesome. So if you want to meet Mike, go to uh, RegenerationCon. So what's the website? Do you know the website for RegenerationCon? Please hold. Please hold. I wasn't expecting that. Hold on. Yes. Cue the Monty Python music, intermission music right now. So it's uh, RegenerationWho.com. Oh, there you go. RegenerationWho.com. Awesome. Well, I believe that's about it. Let's go ahead and wrap up this show and get out of here. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Do your dailies. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at one 888 508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at SciFiDinerPodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to SciFiDinerPodcast at gmail.com You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at Facebook.com slash SciFiDiner We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com It is the tiara formerly worn by Colin Ferguson. It's true. It is the tiara formerly worn by Colin Ferguson. Yeah, and you haven't washed it since. <laughs> Why I would have, she? I totally would, because ew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with her. <laughs> Look, I am a huge fan of Colin Ferguson, and, you know, my girly, spidey senses were tingling all over the place, but there's only, like, I can deal with my own personal schwitz. I don't want his schwitz on my shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm with didn't... her. At least you weren't one of those fans that like DNA swabbed the inside before putting it back on. That's weird. Yeah, well, who says she didn't? We just don't know. That's you know what? <laughs> the assumption that I am this sex-crazed nerd fan has really got to stop, Scott. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Well, I guess so, I don't. See, I would like to point out that I didn't go sex crazed. I just went nerd fan. Right, right, right. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that, Mike. Well, I suppose you could see my DNA to National Geographic. Many, many of other Dang. like moments where Scott was very much like a like a brother and like a bitch. He did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, this Wait, is Chrissy. Nudge, Chris... nudge, know what I mean? Yeah. Scott's my American brother. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Hey, uh, um, this is Chrissy that's with us here. Hi. Hi. So she is another nerd girl, so you have some uh, 
uh, someone to stick up with you when we come. When we Yay! Come X chromosomes unite. <laughs> <laughs> well, they but have why? them too. Yeah. <laughs> for the greater good. Okay. Yes, the greater the greater good. For those the greater good. <gasps> yes, you have seen Hot Fuzz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Awesome. Love it. It is a good movie. It is a great movie. Greater good. <laughs> <laughs> I almost have to say that that might be my favorite of the Coronado trilogy. It, it's my Krusty favorite too. Jugglers. Exactly. We'll be all we'll be up to our balls and crusty jugglers. I believe it's the exact quote. <laughs> oh, well, man. it's quarter, it's it's half past eleven. Time for lunch. <laughs> oh my gosh! Riot room, evidence room. <laughs> And I've seen it so many. It's really, really bad. This, this is going to be a lot of paperwork. <laughs> I've been around the place a few times. We've. You're making the rest of us look bad. You have to go away. It's <laughs> like my favorite part. Oh, oh no, they've shot and no and. It's just bolognese. <laughs> I, I I sadly know that movie so hard. It's. It's bad. It's it really is, but it's I do love that. Bad. I do love that movie. Awesome. And I didn't catch your name because everything got wonky on the sound. Oh, my name is Chrissy. Unless you ask Hi, my Chrissy. parents, and then it's a different name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, wait, we have we have code names now. Yes. Is it no. like okay. Eugenia or something? No, in my life? no, my legal name is actually Rebecca. And in eighth grade, all my friends gave themselves and each other completely different names, so I became Chrissy. And I've been Chrissy ever since, because I can't nice. say the name I was given in eighth grade. <laughs> is, it, is it very, very inappropriate? <laughs> it's very inappropriate. Okay. Yeah, All right. Well, the, no asking. Yeah, yeah. Keep it, keep it kosher okay. for the kids, for the children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh That's... my. So what are we doing here? Are we gonna interview you, Mike, first? Talk a little bit about it. You want to do it in the course of uh, talking about Serenity? How do you want to do it? Uh, all of the above, but I think we should just go back to the hot fuzz quotes. Awesome. I just found out that Johnny Mick um, chuckles over to your uh, right um, has been saving little quirks and things that I've said and tacks them on, you know, Marvel style after the credits. Yeah. Awesome. Which is why when his phone rings and it's my phone, it's me calling his phone, he has captured the soundbite of me making fun of the last Transformers movie. Guys, guys, and it's, I think it's, it's all freaking Transformer. <laughs> I, I, I can't hate and love that movie more. I... I love Transformers and hate Transformers at the same time, but that's just... Oh, somebody else. Yay. Okay, good. The best part about... See, I, I'm in this... Go ahead. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'm in the exact same boat. Like, I, I want to punch Michael Bay in the nuts, but I'm really thankful for big giant robots. Exactly. Like, how <laughs> you can't go wrong. It's yeah. giant robots that were cars that are... It's just awesome. Yeah. And they're fighting well, each other. Because they were awesome exactly. in the beginning. Because cartoons and awesome. Yeah. And Michael Bay is just, ugh. Maybe we should just have mech warriors instead. Ooh. I, I, like... I like the Jaegers from uh, Pacific Rim. I would like to see Voltron Pacific Rim style. But without the, I am just a poor little Asian girl. Kind of bullshit that goes on in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of all the mech animes I've seen that I want to just see as an actual like movie movie. 
Robotech. I need, ooh, mm. I need Voltron and Ultraman. That could work. Ooh. We need we need a good Ultraman movie. I I second. Yeah, that. we do. Yeah. Let's do that. I want to see Voltron versus uh, versus Astro Boy. Aw, poor Astro Boy. <laughs> He'd get creamed. You know, I will still remember the first time we watched the movie Astro Boy with my son. He wept when Astro Boy died. Oh, it was. Aww. It was. Yeah, he, he must have been like. He must have been like three or four, and he just was in tears. And then he was like, "I want to watch it again." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay." And he, he used to. I think he watched it like four or five times, like right in a row, because he just loved the movie. But I can understand that. But. Yeah, the kid. Wait, are we? You can't hear that cat in the background. That's just. I can totally hear that cat in the background. That I can't just hear makes the cat. It funnier. I can need to go cat? kill that. That is her. You're not giving me attention. Cry. So yeah. she's sitting in the very far corner of the the condo, that is the perfect for acoustics and just making sure she can be heard. <laughs> she knows. She tests it out while you're gone. Oh no, no, um... it's, it's great. She, you'll sit there if like if you're in the living room, she'll go to the corner, face the corner, meow, and then look at you like I I did it. <laughs> <laughs> My oh, cat, no, my cat's will pop me. Are you recording or something? <laughs> You're not doing anything important, are you? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> you know, just, for a video guy, I'm a really shitty lighting setup right now. Yeah, like you're, you're like in the dark. I am. I like it. It's a little bit of mystery. It's, yeah, it's he, like, he's, hey, who is the man? He's like the, you know, when you're telling like ghost stories and you have like the flashlight in exactly. front of your face and this is that, like slightly illuminated totally. and Hold you're on. like, say it as Hold creepy on. as possible. I, I was actually just testing that out. So yes. Okay. I'm going to tell a ghost story now. <laughs> about Reavers? <laughs> Very scary. Yes. About a TV show that was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and do it in a, what, British, Scottish accent. <laughs> there was a show. It was called Firefly. <laughs> in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is really bad lighting. It's great I, lighting now. Like it's it. it's very green, very it very is March. Very green. This is this it's is like, so weird. It's Hold like on. a little miniature leprechaun. You need to just keep talking with. Oh, your... it's just just a leprechaun. <laughs> just a wee bit of a leprechaun. That's okay. Did you find your lucky charms? I did. <laughs> they were at the bottom of a rainbow. A fucking rabbit had them. <laughs> That's a trick. Stupid rabbit. These like, tricks are for kids, so I kicked his ass. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, uh, yes.